0: Well, I just have to say, if I saw my grandpa up front reading the scripture, I would run to the front, too. Uh, I thought that was beautiful. Um, Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, we've been talking about what that means. Uh, This unique and, I think, countercultural season leading up to Christmas that uh, on the one hand invites us to gratefully look back and remember the gift of Jesus' first coming, his birth in Bethlehem. But it also invites us to focus on his second coming, to look to his uh, return. And so we're going to do that and continue to do that this morning. And we're going to focus on the aspect of Jesus' return that John, here in this passage in Luke chapter 3, Uh, brings to the fore the fact that when Jesus comes back uh, he will come to judge the world he will set all things right and make all things new and the result as we heard from Isaiah chapter 65 will be a new heavens and a new earth and that is a new reality that is worthy of celebrating and giving thanks that is good news and so uh, this morning, as we, as we look at Advent, um, I was reminded of the fact that my family and I just made a, a long trek all the way from Houston uh, to Charleston. And we are so excited to be here. But it was a long haul, it was a long road trip. And as happens on road trips, our kids were wont to ask that perennial question that all kids ask in the car you know what I'm going to say, how much further? how much further mom and dad over and over that question gets asked every parent has heard it and i was reminded of that question because i think uh, in some ways that taps into the spirit of advent advent is reminding us that we are on a journey life is in a sense a road trip and we are headed to a destination and sometimes we may wonder how much further what is the destination because history does lead somewhere history has an ultimate destination, a purpose, what the ancient Greeks called a telos or an ultimate aim. And so uh, it can be easy, I think, to forget that. It can be easy for us as the church to get caught up in uh, the present so much so that we forget the future, that we put our eyes down and we rarely look up onto the spiritual horizon. And Advent invites us to look beyond to live in light of the future, that even in a world that can be discouraging, in a world marred by sin, we can remember the good news that Jesus is coming back, and we can celebrate that. I was also reminded of the famous words of Martin Luther King Jr. who once said, evil may so shape the events that someone like Caesar will occupy a palace and Christ a cross. But that same Christ will rise up and split history into A.D. and B.C. so that even the life of the Caesar must be dated by his name. Yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. There is a destination. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things we did while in the body, whether good or bad. These words of judgment may not sound like it, but they are good news. And so I want us to look at that this morning, that the fact is Jesus will come and he will bring justice into the world. Now, that, I think right off the bat, begs an important question, which is this. What is justice? What is justice? In the recent years, our culture has offered us confusing and unhelpful answers, I think, to that question. So it behooves us, especially in this cultural moment, as followers of Jesus, to think carefully and thoughtfully about what we mean when we use the word justice. And most importantly, I think as we approach this, we want to ask, what is it that the Bible says about what is justice? How does scripture answer that question? And so I want to invite you to grab your Bible and open up to Luke chapter 3, those words we just read from John the Baptist. Because I think he helps answer that question here in Luke 3. And I want to draw our attention especially to verse 11. Beginning in verse 11, John is giving us a set of images that help us understand biblical justice. In the first kind of round of images, he says this. He says, anybody who has two tunics, that's two shirts, they should share one with one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. And he goes on to address a question from tax collectors and from soldiers. He goes on to say tax collectors, Don't be greedy, in essence. And he says to those in authority, don't abuse your power. Now, why does John address these particular kinds of uh, ideas about justice apart from the circumstances? I think they speak not only to those who were gathered there today, but to us. Because this reveals to us the very nature of God. The reality is, this is how God is with us. When we think about how God relates to us, who he is, the kind of God that he is, this is who he is. He is the God who gives and gives generously. He is the God who gives his perfect and moral law to his people. He is the God who always keeps his loving promises. A.W. Tozer once said that justice, when used of God, is a name we give to the way God is. It's the way he is. It's who he is. And when God acts justly, he is simply acting like himself in any given situation. And so if this is how God is, and we are made in his image, then this, as those who are filled with his Holy Spirit, is what it looks like to live justly. And so John the Baptist is giving us a picture of that. To sum it up, in the simplest terms, we could say that to do justice is to love one another as God loves us, especially the poor and the abused and the forgotten, because in some way or another, after all, that is our story. Apart from Christ, we were poor, abused, and forgotten. This is what God has done for us, and so he calls us to do so for others. So that's the first kind of set of pictures that John the Baptist gives us. Look at verse 17. He gives us another one. He says this about Jesus. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear this threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, I, uh, I'm not a farmer. So I had to look up what a winnowing fork is. Anybody know what a winnowing fork is? Yeah, I didn't either. All right, so a winnowing fork, so just imagine kind of a version of a pitchfork. And so what's happening here is the the wheat is getting kind of thrown up by a pitchfork into the air, and as the, the breeze blows through the wheat, what happens is it separates apart the wheat. And so what falls to the ground is the good wheat, and what blows away is the chaff. And this is a picture of what Jesus will do when he returns. He will separate those who are his from those who are not his, from those who have put their faith in him, from those who have rejected him. It is a word of judgment, and it's a hard word for us to hear. It's a heartbreaking word, because it means there are those who will choose to reject Jesus for eternity. So John sees that Jesus is bringing two things here. He's bringing on the one hand salvation to those he will gather and judgments for those that he will separate. At Christmas we celebrate the fact that our judgment has been received and taken by Jesus himself, our Savior. Unto us a Savior is born. And in Advent we remember that our judge is coming. Jesus Will return to gather to himself his people and to cast aside all that is not his, all that is evil and sinful. Now, this should be hard for us to hear. It should be hard words for us this morning. Honestly, many of us would prefer not to read or to talk about God's judgment. In our day, it is for many Christians, I believe, a source of embarrassment that the Bible has things like this in it. To speak of God as a God who judges is to risk being labeled judgmental and canceled. And so many Christians bend over backwards to avoid talking about God's judgments and pastors rarely preach on it. And certainly we want to be clear, Jesus warned all of us not to judge the hearts of others. That is God's business and God's business alone as a loving and righteous God he has the right to judge and to bring true and lasting justice and as unsettling as it may feel in the end we want a God who judges we want a God who is committed to justice we want Jesus to come back and to judge the world why why do we want a God who judges who is passionate for justice. To quote J.I. Packer, to not judge the world would be for God to show moral indifference. The final proof that God is a perfect, loving, moral being is that he is not indifferent to the questions of right and wrong in the world. He has, in fact, committed himself to judge the world. Church, the truth is we desperately need to recover an understanding of God's judgment because when we lose sight of God's judgment we begin to live without fear of any ultimate consequences for our sin and so we become less and less ultimately less and less human less and less as God made us to be in his image and we cultivate a culture of impunity where sin is not only tolerated but celebrated a world where we harm one another in our sin, where we harm ourselves and we turn around and call it good. And so John is calling us to see that we worship a God of justice and that we need a God of justice, a God committed to setting things right. We want a God who is not content to leave us in our sin not content to let evil have the last word in the world. And so praise God. We are a people who praise God that he will judge the earth and that he will judge us. We praise God that he will send his son to call evil evil and to set things right. And so John has given us these two uh, kind of images, if you will, of justice. On the one hand, we might sum this last one up as the judgment of God, pictures of the judgment of God. And on the other, of of the love of God expressed through his justice. And so the judgment of God and the love of our neighbor. Now, how do those two fit together? They seem a strange pair. Judgment and love, I think, in our minds don't quite fit together. They seem incompatible to us. But for God, love and judgment are like two sides of the same coin. So how can that be? How can judgment and love go together? Well, it's because biblical justice is about living in right relationship with God and with one another and with creation. Justice is God's love at work in the world to set things right, a work that he will complete when Jesus returns. And so it reminds us in this season of Advent that we all have lived unjustly. We are not, apart from Christ, in right relationship with God, one another, and creation. We've all rejected God and his ways. We have all sinned. And left to ourselves, we cannot choose to be just. But the good news is that Jesus Christ makes us just. He justifies through his death on the cross. He takes on himself the justice of God. He took what we justly were to deserve, and so by his grace, through faith in him, we can live rightly with God, one another, and creation. The good news of the gospel is that we who deserve judgment have received grace. Grace. As Ray Ortland says, the question isn't why do bad things happen to good people? You hear that a lot he says the right question is why do good things happen to bad people we all fall short none of us deserve what God gives us his love and yet he gives it and he gives it because he loves us we deserve judgment his righteous judgment and yet he shows us grace and so in Christ we discover both love and judgment together commingled in the blood of the cross That is the picture, the ultimate picture of God's justice. And so I want to take just a few minutes um, as we come to a close to reflect on two things. One is, how does uh, this picture, the cross, these pictures of John the Baptist, of justice, contrast with our cultural ideas of justice in an attempt to help us kind of navigate how to walk as a people of justice as we wait for Christ's return and then for us to ask what does it look like then for us to do that to live as just people in an unjust world and so first to understand how justice contrasts with our cultural calls for justice I would say this the world's justice seeks justice apart from God it is a justice sought apart from belief In the one true living God. And I would say that while that justice may accomplish some good in the world, it will always fall short because without God, it is not ultimately motivated by love, but by a desire for power. Justice that is about power is a counterfeit justice. It seeks to motivate by guilt and coercion It sees human beings fundamentally as oppressed or oppressors, as victims or as privileged, as haves and have-nots, rather than our fundamental identity as those made in the image of God. That is who we are, that is who every human being is. And not only are we made in the image of God, we are sinners in need of grace. That's how biblical justice frames our identity. And guilt and coercion may temporarily motivate or modify behavior, but only the Holy Spirit can transform hearts. And so we need the justice of God. We need God to help change our hearts because of his character, because of his cross, and because of God's grace. And so hopefully, with a biblical understanding of grace, we can enter into our worlds. And when we hear the question, what shall we do, as the crowds ask John the Baptist, we can learn how to walk as people who are just in an unjust world. Now, the truth is, it is easy to tweet about justice. Easy to talk about justice. And a lot of people do. It is easy to point fingers and feel indignant with the ways the world works, to say that's not fair, that's not right, and you're to blame. It is a lot harder to live justly, to be a people of justice. And here's the truth, we can't do it without God's grace. We can't do it without God's grace. And so here's a great place to start. If we, Holy Cross, want to be a people of justice in an unjust world, here's where we start. We start in our own hearts. We begin by asking God to grow our love for him and for our neighbor. We spend time with Jesus each and every day. Sometimes it's hard for me to spend time with Jesus in the morning. There's so many things on my list. I want to get up and get going and moving. But if we wanna be a people who are becoming more and more like Jesus, we have to be with Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, spend time discovering and rediscovering God's love for you through the study of his word. Spend time each morning in prayer. Sit with him and let him minister to your heart and remind you of all that he has done for you in Christ Jesus. And then from there, As we go into our day, let's ask him to open our eyes to the need for justice all around us. And there is a need all around us for the love of God to be manifest through his people. And I don't know where you're going this week, but I know there's a need for justice wherever that is. There's a need for justice in all kinds of uh, areas of life. Maybe it's in education or maybe it's in reconciliation. Maybe it's in walking with those who struggle with addiction Maybe it's ministering to those who find themselves in prison, helping people get job training. Maybe it's advocating for the unborn. Maybe the work of justice begins right at your own house, in your own home, in your relationships with your spouse and with your children. There may be a deep need for healing and reconciliation. This is the work of justice. It is being like Christ to one another. And so how can you be like Christ in those places to those people Holy Cross, let's begin right where God has us and see what he does. The great truth and the great promise of Advent is that at the end of all things, God will bring true justice. He will make all things right and all things new. And so as we wait for Christ to return, let's be agents of God's justice in a world that is desperate for it. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we need your help to be who you have made us to be in Christ. Lord, we need your justice. And so this Advent, we pray that you would remind us that true justice, your justice, is rooted in who you are. It's about what you say is true and good. Jesus, remind us that we have not received what we deserved, but rather we have received grace upon grace upon grace because of your cross. Lord, help us now to be grace-filled agents of justice, longing to see you set all things right and make all things new. We pray, come, Lord Jesus. Bring your perfect justice to the world. Amen.